The Coach's Plan podcast is recorded on the traditional unceded territory of the Willis-DeWig and Mi'kmaq peoples. This territory is covered by the Treaties of Peace and Friendship, which these nations signed with the British Crown in 1726. The territories did not deal with the surrender of lands and resources, but in fact recognized Mi'kmaq and Willis-DeWig title and established the rule for what was going to be an ongoing relationship between nations. At Coach New Brunswick, we pay respect to the elders, past and present, and we are grateful that we now get to share this space with the descendants of this land. We honor the knowledge keepers and seek their guidance as we strive to develop closer relationships through sport, education, community, understanding, truth, and reconciliation. Thank you for listening in the same spirit. Hey there, Coach. A quick note before we start today's episode. This is your official spoiler warning for season two of Ted Lasso. We will be discussing major plot points and themes, so if you prefer not to have that spoiled, come back when you've caught up. This is going to be somewhat of a lighthearted episode, but we do have a content warning for today. We will be discussing suicide in reference to topics discussed in the show, as well as other instances of mental harm. If you or someone you know is in crisis, New Brunswickers can call CHIMO, a 24-7 mental health crisis hotline at 1-800-667-5005. There is also the Canada Suicide Prevention Service, also 24-7, available to all people living in Canada at 833-456-4566. Welcome to the Coach's Plan podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach Envy. I'm your host, Ashley Milani, and I have been waiting for this one. Season two of Ted Lasso is out streaming on Apple TV Plus, and it has blown up since we've last talked about it in season one. I felt that it was only right to call to order a meeting of the Ted Lasso fan club and assemble Steve LeBlanc, Director of High Performance and Athletics New Brunswick, and Barry Morrison, Head Coach of the University of New Brunswick men's soccer team and of the Fredericton District Soccer Association to hear what they had to say about our favorite transformational coach. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for being here on season four of the Coach's Plan podcast to have our season two TED Talk. This was a conversation we had last year. It was probably one of my favorite episodes to record of the of the whole season of the podcast. And I was so thankful that both of you, Barry and Steve, agreed to come back and, and talk about season two with me because uh, as soon as it came out, all I wanted to do was gab with my friends about the show. But not everyone is as, is as much of a coaching dork as I am. So uh, I appreciate that I have found other dorks who are happy to talk about this with me. <laughs> awesome to be here. Yeah, lots of fun. Can't wait to chat a bit about, uh, about the show. Cool. So as I said, welcome back to our TED Talk. I've been waiting <laughs> to make that joke for about a year now. Uh, Ted Lasso season two released by Apple TV Plus in this past fall of 2021. Um, has been all over my Twitter timeline, has been all over my internet. And I will be the first one to admit that I uh, I purposefully did not watch it as it was released because I knew that I wanted to binge it all in one session. Um, also because I don't have Apple TV Plus, so I'm like, I'm just going to get the free trial for a week and, and cram it all into one go, uh, which worked for me last time. So here we are again. Um, but we, as you, as everyone knows on this podcast, we absolutely love a uh, a, a portrayal of positive coaching and transformational coaching in in media, whether that is TV, books, movies, um, or in or in real life media. Um, and so we figured it was important for us to come back and talk about season two of the of Ted Lasso and and where Ted has gone and where the other characters have gone and some of the. Uh, the issues that have been brought up and, and themes that have been brought up over the season and talk a little bit about how we feel like they are true to real life or maybe not true to real life, but I'll leave that, I'll leave that maybe up to you two to, to help me, to help me sort out over the next hour or so. So I think what we'll touch on first is everything around, around mental health, around the pieces that they addressed, bringing in a sports psychologist into the, uh, into the new season around how the media portrayed different different mental health issues, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of go from there. We'll we'll meander all across the the field. Um, so, the, the Steve, I know, yeah, I know you're jumping at the bit to give us your hot takes on this show. So let, let's have at it. What was your what was your first thoughts about how the show addressed mental health um, over the course of the season? Well, I mean, they obviously, it, it was very much a um, main theme, I think, throughout the season. And to a certain extent, obviously, even in the first season, but they really drove it home. Um, obviously, Ted's story, his, his, his situation in dealing with uh, uh, the anxieties and the panic attacks um, is obviously uh, up front. But I think 
if you look in all of the story arcs, there's a little bit about um, about mental health and how we deal with it and how some things are not dealt with in a particularly healthy fashion in the sports world. Um, and, and the view of it, like for me, I, I was rewatching, I was rewatching this week, of course, the, uh, the episodes and um, you know, one that struck me was uh, after the expose comes out about, about Ted's uh, panic attack and he's sort of, it's hit the papers and everything. And he comes out his front door. And the first thing is there's, there's photographers there taking picture of him. First thing he comes out of his, his door in the morning and that's sort of like, Oh yeah. Okay. But then that quickly leaves and then he's walking down the street and then just the interactions with the people in his, you know, in his neighborhood and the people as he sees, you see them looking at him differently um, because of the story hitting the paper. And, and the one that really strikes home is uh, <laughs> the, the older fellow who always greets him with a, uh, a bit of an expletive uh, for a greeting um, is suddenly kind of railing on him, says something about, oh, if my father had had a panic attack during uh, D-Day, we'd all be speaking German or something like that. And uh, um, that sort of encapsulates for me exactly the way that um, mental health issues have sort of been dealt with in, in the sports world for way too long. Is this sort of like, ah, just, you know, just buckle down and get with it and, you know, you'll be fine. Like, you know, you know, toughen up, you know, walk it off, as we would say, right? Um, so it really drove home that idea that this is a serious issue. And it, and it was great the way that they brought it back around at the end. Spoiler alerts. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, I should have said right off at the top. Alerts. This entire podcast is spoiler alerts because we <laughs> will not be holding back on any of the plot points. Keep going. Yeah, uh, it, it really drove it home when, when Ted sort of goes into uh, the post-game uh, press conference and just lays lays the cards on the table, says, I'm here to talk about... Um, you know, my panic attack and like, you know, whatever. And um, that was kind of a nice way to bring that back around to let's have a positive discussion about this rather than this being a, you know, a, a negative thing or, or some kind of a stigma around it. It's like, let's bring this into reality and let's put a positive thing on this. Let's move forward. And also the way he addresses it with his team too, when he goes um, to sort of have a conversation with the team saying, look, I should have talked to you about this. That was a mistake. Me not, not, you're not finding out about this from me, um, you know, because it's an opportunity for them to learn as well, as well as building trust within the team. It's also an opportunity for them to realize that if they're having issues, that it's okay for them to come forward. I mean, they've, I mean, they've had the services of the doc to help them with their sports psych side of things. And then that has obviously had a huge positive impact. But uh, I think that that's the, the big story arc for me throughout this, the whole season was this idea of mental health and, the stigma that sometimes surrounds, especially in the sports world um, where you're just supposed to grin and bear it and you're supposed to, you know, tough through it. But that definitely for me is what sort of stood out. Yeah. I, the, the point you made about how uh, when Ted woke up that morning and went outside his front step and suddenly there's a bunch of reporters there and people oh. are making comments at him in the street and stuff like that. I, it's not only about how people sometimes, uh, start to see people differently when they when they learn about different mental health issues that that person might have but i think it's also amplified like crazy towards anyone that we see in public facing light so whether that is um sport coaches whether that's politicians whether that's um celebrities like anyone who kind of has that outward facing appearance like people kind of forget that they're humans and they think it's okay to to make comments and to to mm uh kind of say something towards them that I, I don't know i get the sense sometimes that when people make these comments at people especially through twitter or, or through a screen that there's that degree of protection there and there's that degree mm. of separation where you forget like oh this is a real human being dealing with real mental health issues and that uh me making a hot take or me like making a joke or, or some sort of dig at them on twitter is actually a lot more damaging than i maybe thought and mm. uh and and they kind of forget that there's that real person there on the other side. Um, I also think it's interesting how I, I like that point you made about they like the team should have found out about it from him rather than finding out about it from the media. Uh, partly as um, a way to create a positive environment around the athletes talking about their own mental health on the team. Like mm -hmm. yes, they brought in the sports psychologist and that was starting to help. But if a leader and a coach can't also be owning up to stuff they're dealing with, uh, 
that makes it hard for then their players to also do the same thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I thought the way they highlighted the mental health through Ted was interesting and, and kind of building a little bit on your point, Ashley, for me, they were highlighting his mental health based on him kind of recognizing and understanding his flaws, right? Like if you think, you know, Ted in season one was, was all good guy, all positive guy, all happy guy. In season two, you start to see, you know, the, the cracks in the armor with his, with his wife and his family and his things at home. And I think that, you know, you start to see the damage that trying to separate his personal life from his professional life created for him, right? He didn't want to talk about some of his mental health struggles in a way because they weren't about the soccer team or they weren't about their, their team playing and winning matches. They were about how he was feeling about his role as a father, his ability to be a father for his son while separated from his wife and living in a different country and kind of his feeling that he wasn't able to do both and to do both effectively. So he was putting on one face as he goes into work and being transformational coach, positive Ted. And then when he left, he was putting on another, another face and, and, and kind of like trying to be dad in a situation that's clearly kind of hitting a dysfunctional point. Right. And he's clearly, you know, really battling with some of those, with some of those kind of, kind of demons. You kind of got to see the dark underbelly of Ted Lasso uh, this year, mm. all through how he was trying to manage his mental health and use the support around him to manage his mental health. And you could really see in some of his um, meetings or scenes kind of with the sports, sports psych uh, environment that he was just really not quite ready uh, yet to talk about how he was feeling about his personal life. Uh, which was really, really interesting to me, but ties back to to all coaches who are on fields or in press conferences or sitting in front of groups of people dealing with the performance or lack of performance of their athletes and their sport and themselves as coaches, but they all eventually leave the building and have something at home, whether it's an apartment by themselves, whether it's family and kids, whether whatever that is, they have something outside that is there kind of personal life that they go to and I thought they really showed powerfully how how that intersects in the season this year and, and really tied that really well to mental health because I think that's one of the biggest struggles that many coaches at high high levels face is how do I balance my outside life with my obsession or my addiction to coaching and and developing and driving athletes in their performance yeah. so you know a really uh kind of a really heavy piece for me yeah, that that's exactly exactly it. Yeah. Um, I wonder too, like, what do you think the show is trying to say about how they're addressing mental health, kind of exploring Ted's cracks and flaws, how he's exploring his own mental health, um, versus how things are happening in real life right now. Like, there uh, was an amazing example this summer at the Summer Olympics with Simone Biles mm. withdrawing mid Olympics, uh, mid competition, to say, "I need to deal with this." Um, uh, because I could seriously get hurt if I don't <laughs> if I don't take care of the mental side of things. Like I could get physically hurt if I don't take care of the mental side of things. Um, how do you think this show is reflecting how things are changing in real life right now? Yeah, I mean that was a that was a very poignant moment during the Olympics, where you know certainly it, it maybe is a situation that has happened in the past, but we were unaware of it because in this case the profile of the athlete. And obviously the the role that uh, social media and just the media in general uh, plays now versus, you know, in, in eras gone by, stuff like that is more to the forefront and stuff. But certainly the profile of this particular athlete really drove it home. And, and you know, 100%, you can imagine if, if you're having difficulty performing these incredibly dangerous skills, you know, it's not just a walk it off or tough it out. This is a serious potential risk for serious injury. Um, not even just, not even just career ending, but potentially life ending injuries when you're, you know, as high as they are in the air and flip it around. If you can't spot the landing and you land on your neck, things are not going to go well. So I think the appreciation uh, in that situation hopefully was, was, you know, it got some mixed comments, I think, but generally it seemed, from what I could see, um, a lot of support for her. Um, you know, there was, of course, a few voices that came out and as the internet trolls will and, and railed on it a bit. But I think for the most part, people went, yeah, absolutely right. This is, 
this is your life. Um, you know, we love sport, but in the end, uh, are you going to risk your life for this? And, and uh, it was, it was a pretty hard hitting topic, but I do think overall, generally the support was quite positive for, for her to do that. I, I think anyway, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't spend as much time maybe on Twitter as, uh, as some other people do and could probably find tons of negative stuff too. But certainly the comments I saw were generally fairly supportive of her doing that and, and looking after herself, you know, uh, important. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends might consider me to be chronically online uh, but I definitely, I definitely saw some not so hot takes about uh, yeah. about how uh, Simone was was either weak or done with the sport or like all, all like I won't get into it. it yeah. There's some really nasty things out there, but it just all comes back to it's like okay, well, like even even if she wasn't a multiple gold medalist, even if she wasn't the like literally the goat, like the greatest of all time, she should still have the ability to like prioritize herself first like nobody owes any anybody anything uh and at the end of the day you have to do what's good for yourself and um i i really think her taking the time to do what was good for herself is going to do a lot of good down the future by providing that example to other athletes who are facing similar things who then can see well if she was able to do it i can do it and she had everything on the line and i might feel like i have everything on the line even if it is at a different level than her um but I can look to that and say, I can do it too. Uh, and I think on the heels of what the whole situation has gone on with the USA gymnastics um, and the lawsuits that are involved right now and so on, um, all the more reason to realize how important it is for an athlete to speak up when things are not right. And rather than just, you know, shoulder through it, just kind of like put your head down and just deal with it, whatever, you know. Yep. Um, that is, I was going to say that know. is a whole other aspect of, of, it that we're not even talking about right now. And I and actually, I do want to address um, uh, positive and healthy relationships within a team dynamic um, a little bit later this episode, uh, talking about um, Sam and the team owner, uh, mm-hmm. but coming, coming back to the mental health piece and how they hired um, Dr. Sharon for the season and, and brought in a sports psychologist. And originally uh, Ted was a little bit um, cold towards the idea of having someone else come in and do what he thought was effectively his job considering that he was a coach who knows nothing about football and he was like I'm all about knowing the people and knowing the players and now you're bringing out another expert to come in and do effectively that and get to know them I feel like that's my job that they're coming for so what, what do you guys think about um integrating into like those those supports the support staff members uh different uh experts into your team and how that either affects the dynamic how that can enhance the dynamic thoughts yeah i mean i thought it was a really interesting introduction right so to start to introduce the characters that come in and around the team and i thought introducing sharon was was an awesome step for the show i thought it also allowed like you know, you could kind of see late in the season some of her own flaws, right? Like yeah. she was she was clearly dealing with some of her own demons. So it's kind of like, I'm here to help you understand. And early in the season, all very, very professional, all very kind of tidy. And then you kind of slowly watch her unravel as the season goes on, which I thought um, was just an, another interesting way to show, yeah, we can help other people, but we still need to continue to help ourselves, right? Exactly. No matter what we're doing, we've got our own personal work to do. Um, my one disappointment with how they kind of portrayed and showed that is like, you know, I thought they could have gone a step further in showing the reality of what kind of a mental performance coach or that sports psych support can be within a team, right? They very much showed her more as a psychologist than a sports psychologist where mm-hmm. people were coming in, dealing with their in office settings. Like, you know, at that level in sport, that mental performance side is happening on the field is happening in the locker room is happening on a day-to-day interaction interaction basis and i thought they could have done a way kind of tidier job or, or a more powerful job of showing you know the reality of how that work can happen and that we we don't just need to sit down on someone's couch uh and have them ask us questions in order to be doing the work ourselves right that can be happening through as coaches how we design practices how we guide players through aspects of our um our program right what we do as coaches and i so i thought they missed they missed a little bit of a chance to show us you know really tying that in as coaches 
Um, but I thought it was fantastic that they brought her onto the show and started to really show kind of the need and the and the critical kind of uh, support that the athletes and coaching staff and everybody around an organization um, like Richmond FC needs. I think it was, um, I was happy with the idea that we did get to humanize her a little bit more because the first, first few appearances, it's like, she's a magician, right? The, the athlete is, is a mess. They go into the office, the door closes, and then they come out running out of the room. Football is life, right? They're, they're back into it yep. and yeah. and you don't really you know it, it makes it seem as if it's oh it's just a, like you say just oh just sit down and tell somebody your problems and suddenly they go away like it's it's not shown as an ongoing process so i was a little disappointed in that initially i understand the the sort of trope of it like this person steps in and is just so good at their job uh what is it she says at one point ted are you good at your job and he says uh, yes and then she says well i'm twice as good or something at my job as you are at your sort of thing, which is a little harsh, um, <laughs> you know, and she does come off initially as sort of this, it's like, you don't know what's going on behind that closed door because when the door is open and you're interacting with, with her, she's very cold and, and calculating and so on. And at one point she refers to herself as a, as a, so I think she refers to her or her friend that's sort of her therapist refers to her as a savant or whatever, but she has sort of this cold air of, 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 medical precision about it which i don't really feel is true to most of the sports psychologists i know it's not a surgical like precision thing it's an ongoing process and it's messy and and a lot of things to work through but anyway so later on especially in her interactions with ted you see that yeah there's a lot to this and it takes it's not just one session you walk in and boom everything's magically fixed so it's an ongoing process of digging into this but um yeah, I mean, it was interesting the way that they incorporated her and sort of brought her more and more into the storyline. And, and I'm glad that they did that rather than just leaving her as this magician that walks in and just, you know, magically in one session fixes everyone's problems. So um, to see that it's a little deeper than that, a little harder than that, and how she struggles to figure out how to connect with Ted. And then ironically, they are very similar people. As, as her friend points out to her, you're very similar. How they deal with their anxieties and their issues is, is, is much different. He, he deal, you know, Ted deals with humor and positivity and she deals with, with sort of cutting intelligence where she just slices through to the core of things uh, quite brutally on, on occasion. Um, one thing I want to come back to, I got to point this out before I, before I forget to mention it, that I, I think really is a neat thing they did to encapsulate Ted's situation. The morning that the story breaks and it's in the paper or whatever, and he's sitting, he's, he's about to have his breakfast and his phone buzzes and it's his ex-wife is messaging, messaging him to say, you know, oh, how are you doing? Whatever. And he makes a little, uh, a little knock, knock joke um, back. And then her response is, oh, well, obviously you're fine. Right. Which, which highlights exactly how Ted got to the situation that he's in is that he was so effective in hiding his anxieties through his humor that people just assume he doesn't have any. Like he's perfectly good. He's so positive that there can't be anything negative underneath all of that. And, and to me, that one little line uh, on the screen, which is not even spoken, it's just a text message on the, on the phone that points out how he's been his own worst enemy by, by putting this facade on of how everything's good and hiding behind the humor and the positivity. People just assume that he's fine because he seems so positive and he seems, you know, he's always upbeat. He's always got a joke all those kinds of things is what's caused him the most problem in that um, people haven't kind of come forward to him to say, Hey, do you need help? Or, you know, how are you really doing? Because they assume he's fine because he does such a good job of hiding it behind that, that facade that to me, that was really pointed. They put it like it in that one, literally that one line of text, it sort of went, Oh yeah, that's exactly his problem is that he's so good at hiding these things from everyone that he's never going to deal with them because no one's ever going to, know that he well, has these issues well also like considering men's health is not taken seriously at all by many people and so uh people wouldn't necessarily think to say oh like ted's like a happy-go-lucky guy like he's probably fine and would never think to kind of dig deeper and mm. look look kind yeah. of on other side of things so I, I think you're totally right people are so quick to dismiss men's feelings and and um that's how uh men have a higher rate of suicide than, than women. That's how they lead to uh, longer, um, more long-term health, health consequences of, of keeping things so bottled up inside. And 
that has a stress on the body and infects everyone. Um, also kind of touching on this, they, I, I kind of loved, but was also very at the same time stressed out by the whole coach beard episode they did <laughs> where they, um, where they kind of took a, a, a story on this like wild and crazy night that he was going on. Um, there was a couple of very dark moments in those episodes where he uh, was like in a room watching a, tv uh a tv show of of um these like reporters and they were kind of they were talking directly about him or direct like maybe mm. it was directly to them I, I can't remember at this yeah. point but uh one of them made a comment that was something along lines of um something to the effect of like he's not even brave enough to like, kill himself and you're just like holy crap like yeah. So, yeah, like is something gonna happen to coach beard this episode like and like he's getting beat up in the street alley and there's other dark moments and you're just like Oh, like I, I get that they're trying to like portray this like mysterious character that we haven't really seen a lot about and how he gets into all these kind of shenanigans. But I like I was stressed the whole episode. I'm like, I think something is going to happen to him, and this is going to be like the dark moment of the season. Luckily, that's not the case. Spoiler alert! But, um, <laughs> but I, I can't believe they just like took these moments, just like glanced by them, and were like, okay, now we keep going on to some other fun antic. But I'm like, damn, like this is hitting hard. That was a that was a very standalone episode too. Like it it didn't play into the overall arcs at all. It was very much a one off, um, and yeah, it it had some pretty dark stuff. It had some funny stuff in it. It was a little bit of everything, um, but yeah, there was a few really do- when you when he's sort of imagining all these comments directed at him, like you say by the the commentators and things like that, and it's very uh, you get a view into what's going on inside you know, very, obviously a very conflicted sort of person. He's, uh, like you say, very much likes to be an enigma. Uh, that's sort of his role in the show is to be this mysterious, um, advisor type character, kind of a, a strange Yoda sort of like, guy. Mm-hmm. um, but it's very similar. Like he, like he goes on and has this, like these very dark moments, has this kind of crazy other life and then comes to practice the next morning, shows up on time with the coffees. Yeah. No problem. Mask back on and, and we're good yeah. to go. Let's get back to work. Like, yeah, I feel like given enough story, cause you know, they only get so many episodes and so many minutes to tell these stories. I feel like sometimes those things, they want to get that message in there but they only can afford that one episode to really dive into it. And who knows, you know, maybe in season three, we'll get to come back to this and, and see a little bit of more of what makes coach beard tick and, and that sort of thing. But I feel like that episode was like, we want to get this little mini arc of a story in there. Let's cram it into this one really weird, like very different episode, right? Like just the, even the way it flowed and, and everything was very different from the really the rest of the series. But uh, on the lighter side, I do love the uh, the guys going through the uh, the secret doorway and no 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 and ending up out on the pitch, the place that they've always dreamed of being. Like I love that. That was the absolute highlight of the episode for me was them coming through that doorway and realizing where they were and just the joy that they had of being in what they view as this this sort of uh, you know joyous nirvana kind of a place to be out on the pitch at the at the stadium. It's it's kind of neat, but that was a, that was a kind of a dark episode for the most part. Very, yeah, I had the same feeling of very like, oh God, what's going to happen here? Especially when those, you know, guys are chasing him through the alley. It's like, oh, what's going to happen? Are they getting rid of Coach Beard? Like, yeah, I was a little worried, but uh, it was an interesting little sidestep, but it was so different from the rest of the, the episodes that it sort of struck me as something that they wanted to really like, they wanted to get this in there. And realized that it it was hard to play it out over the all the other arcs they have going on, maybe, and they just <laughs> rammed it in there <laughs> very very brutally um for those of us who are ongoing fans that to me it really stood out as like a really different episode, kind of like uh anyone who's a comic book fan, it's like having a, a one off episode of a a character, and then suddenly they have this you know guest writer comes in and writes a completely different script for a character that you're just like, what? Where did this come from? Uh, it told its own story, but in a very different way from what we were kind of used to in the, in the series overall, I think. Totally. Barry, any thoughts on these pieces before we maybe move on to our, my next item? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you guys totally. I think I, I like your comments, Steve. It's probably like a guest writer coming in and trying yeah. to throw, throw an episode in and, and, and just, trying to trying to kind of cram in the complexity of of coach beard through like that wild and crazy night interesting 
kind of fun to watch maybe a little bit, but didn't really fit with the rest of the show and didn't really resonate with me. But. Yeah. Fair. Um, touching on other members of the staff around uh, Ted, Nate the Great, what happened? Yeah. Buddy, come on. Um, yeah. I think it's important to um i think it's important that the show has either quote-unquote villains i mean the whole kind of the tough part about this whole show is that it is very happy-go-lucky that it is uh very positive very upbeat so it i know the show can kind of almost um uh almost kind of shoot itself in the foot by being too positive so i think it is good that they have these characters that are more realistic and and it even for people who are super positive super um friendly with everyone they know that's not always going to go super well for people. Uh, that's not always going to be the best relationship dynamic for others. And um, let's just talk a little bit about what happened to Nate over the course of the season, aside from his hair graying into this like <laughs> evil villain silver by the end of it. Clearly all the villains have one hair. <laughs> for the listeners at home, uh, Steve uh, may be speaking from experience, but... <laughs> But, you know, the, 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 the interesting part of, of the storyline with Nate is that, you know, obviously from the very first episode of season one, he's sort of this um, quasi likable sort of like character that you sort of like, where is this going to go? And then he gets drawn in and and you, uh, you know, you see his, I guess, brilliance would be the term. Like he, he certainly seems to have the technical knowledge. And once he's given the opportunity to display his knowledge of the game, you know, he makes fantastic, uh, good tactical decisions for the team in, in numerous cases throughout the series. Um, but on his personal storyline side, you, as you get to know, like the episode where it's his parents' um, anniversary and, and you get to see sort of a little bit of where he's coming from and, and why he is the way he is, you sort of get that foreboding of like, oh, the other thing that's interesting, speaking of, uh, I think I mentioned Yoda earlier, to give it another Star Wars bent. It's interesting if you look in the episodes how he dresses, because um, he starts out he's wearing the team kit, you know, colors, whatever, and then he wears a suit to the game one day, and it's but it's got color, it's like maroon jacket or something like that, whatever. And then by the end of season two, he's wearing a black shirt, a black tie, a black jacket, black pants, like it's literally <laughs> like Darth Vader. Like he goes from wearing light colored and colorful things to like, he's dressed entirely in black and you sort of have this, he gives this foreboding appearance sort of thing. And it, they, they definitely gave all kinds of foreshadowing as to which way the story was going to go, but it was still pretty, even though I, I mean, I felt like I knew where it was kind of going a little bit. It's still kind of, I mean, the very last bit where he's coaching for another team, that one, I wasn't expecting that one really like, whew. But just you could see they were given little hints in little really good acting, by the way, on the part of these guys. Like there's the one scene where um, they uh, they they give the secret signal uh, for Jamie Tart to uh, become Jamie Tart again. And, they, and it works. And then uh, they're all celebrating because uh, he, he ends up scoring and they're celebrating on the sidelines. And he's Ted sort of gives a very quick little tap on the back to Nate, but then immediately heads over to congratulate um roy and uh you sort of see the look on on uh, nate's face kind of like oh like i've been brushed to the side um rather than accepting as oh he's going to congratulate him because he made a good uh call uh it's viewed as oh he doesn't love me anymore and he literally pretty much comes out and says that in the in the final episode there where it's like you know you've abandoned me or you know you built me up and made me think i was the most important person in the world and then you just abandoned me and and uh, so it's you can kind of see the pieces where they're coming. And for me, like the other theme for the for the season is fathers and, and parents in general. Like there's so many references to why some of the characters are the way they are because of either their parent. In fact, they even point out one where the, Ted says some of it's nice beating people's parents. So in the episode where they meet, uh, um, uh, what's uh, what's her name? Okay, is it Sandra or something? Anyway, um, and they. Uh, they point out like that, you know, the, the parents and, and in, in most cases, the fathers is the one where we see directly like the impact of um, fathers, Ted committing suicide, um, uh, Jamie Tart's dad being just a complete, you know, jerk. And in all situations, you can see how Jamie ended up that way. Like they tie it back. And when you see what Nate's father is like and, and how he's treated by his dad, you can see 
what sets the the ball in motion sort of thing. So for me, that was kind of um, well written in there that there's a lot of foreshadowing of where Nate's story is going to go, even though you're still surprised, I think, or I was surprised still at the end at how dark it got and how far it went. Um, but you can also see where they've placed these elements of, uh, you know, um, just everybody's father figure or mother figures throughout the story is, is very much an indicator of how they got where they are, which I think is quite interesting the way they sort of work that in on almost every storyline. Even when, even when Roy goes back to where he grew up, they don't mention his parents. I don't think per se. And that everybody points out where he grew up when they go out to play on the old pitch that he sort of grew up playing on and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of pointing, looking backward to see how people got where they are. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I think the Nate storyline is going to be the storyline of season three, just, oh, yeah, you know, the sure. way they foreshadowed it, you know, he's coaching now with the team that Rupert now owns. Yeah. Right. He's you, you get that little interaction with Rupert, you know, that whisper in Nate's ear, yeah. you know, really kind of foreshadows that, that Nate's going to be quote unquote, like the conflict of next season. And, you know, we're already talking about him as the villain. So I don't think it's surprised anybody, but it's going to be really interesting to see where it goes and then how that kind of, you know, takes the arc of the show, right. You kind of look at, at what's that going to pose in terms of, you know, coaching, coaching questions. Are we going to start to look at Nate as the tactical tactician coach versus Ted as the transformational people mm. coach, you know, are we going to start to see some of those differences, you know, is Nate emotionally ready to be in a high level coaching position, right? You know, looking at looking at how he's kind of reacted and behaved to, with things over the course of the season, you see, you know, when he gets positive feedback, it really, really digs to his head. And when he gets negative feedback, it really angers him, right? So mm. how is he going to manage those emotions as he heads into his own coaching career? And what's that going to look like? I think that it's going to be kind of a really interesting uh, kind of way to, to bring about, you know, different styles or different ways of coaching. And I think that what we'll see, or I'm hoping what we see uh, kind of in season three is them contrast those two styles a little bit, them contrast mm. the Ted with Nate, who's certainly going to feel more pressure, certainly going to feel, you know, more uh, of his success when the team wins and certainly going to be a little bit more ready to point fingers when the team loses. And what's that going to look like as they play it out um, on the screen? I'm really interested uh, in what the arc of Nate's story is going to be over the next season. I, you know, I thought from this season, from the very first episode of this season, you know, they foreshadowed a big change in him. I, I remember yeah. like the end of the first ex episode, I said to my wife, like, I don't understand why everybody else in the show aged a year and Nate aged 10. <laughs> And then, like, over the season, he aged another 10. You know, I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. He went from, like, a 19-year-old to a 45-year-old over two seasons. It, 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 it's not adding up to me. But then, of course, the season ends and you kind of see, okay, I see, like, I see what happened here. Hey, if you're a Star Wars fan, you understand why the going to the dark side can make you look <laughs> uh, like the Emperor. <laughs> I, maybe I'm missing that part. <laughs> um, I, I have a question for you guys. Do you think... Ted saw it coming. Like, do you think? Do you think he saw the Nate betrayal or the Nate blow up coming? Hmm. I think he's probably aware that you know Nate's changing, but I I don't get the sense that they intended for him to maybe see how much it's going that way because Ted, being Ted, would have said something. Would have. You know, he's usually a pretty straight shooter and that sort of things like, Hey, what problem do you have with me? And whatever. Like, I, I think, I think it was my interpretation is that it wasn't meant for him to be aware of it per se as like, Oh, this is really going to blow up. Cause I think he would have addressed it. Um, I think he's, because I think he likes to see the best in people to a large extent. I think he doesn't see it coming because he doesn't expect that the person that he thinks Nate is would would end up kind of going down the road that he's going down. So I don't think he sees it coming. Yeah. I mean, I think he senses, he senses there's a bit of tension, but I don't think he addresses it kind of forthrightly. Right. Like I think that's ultimately was part of the, was part of the problem is, is Ted was so inclusive with Nate early on that he set an expectation for Nate and he never really kind of went back and, and did the work to, to, mm. to, to, to really clearly, 
and like define who Nate was within the team. So Nate just kind of continued to be in the kind of quote in group um, without like, you know, any sort of definition of his, of his role. Right. Like, you know, so just like the, I think it just kind of spit spitball and, and, and went a little bit unnoticed, a little bit unaddressed by Ted. Yeah, I, I guess. But I mean, I, I think to me it was, it was a situation where Ted accepts the fact that this is his, this is his technical wizard, right? This is his guy who, who understands the nuts and bolts even better than coach beard, who has an unreasonably good sense for soccer, even though he didn't know anything about soccer before getting on the plane, it, it appears. Um, so he sort of accepted him in that role, but I, I think he didn't, you know, he didn't sort of, like you say, continue to develop that um, relationship and to continue to sort of, fortify what they had built already and he sort of let it he let it backslide possibly due to the distractions of, of bringing in uh roy who who i think the interesting comparison is going to be between seeing how roy develops as a coach versus nate as a coach because uh roy arguably doesn't have he has a good sense of playing the game as as a former player that nate maybe doesn't have right he's sort of an X's and O's guy. And Roy is more a sort of, I understand on the ground level in the trenches, what this is like. So they're coming at it from a different um, tactical, technical perspective. And of course, Ted is neither of those. He has, he doesn't even understand the offside rule still, which to be honest, sometimes I don't either, but um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's the, 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 per, the people person, he's the person coach, um, which neither of them are, but you're seeing, being around Ted that Roy is becoming the people coach. He's starting to understand that how he interacts with the players is important to how they perform, um, which sometimes drives him crazy when he's dealing with Jamie, because he doesn't want to interact with him in a positive way. He wants to hate him and realizes, Oh, I can't hate you. You actually bring up a good point or you actually are a good player. And, you know, so seeing how, those two coaches are going to change. I think over season three, how they're going to either get better or worse or become aware of different aspects of what it means to be a coach, I think is going to be, um, you know, like in the end, like I don't want to spoiler alert. I'm not on the writing team or anything, but I could see this, the maybe not see if season, season, I should be, I'd love to be if (laughs) season three was the last season, which some people say it might be, I don't know that, that disappoints me, but anyway, um, I could see the story going that Roy becomes the head coach, right? I mean, you can see he knows the game like Ted doesn't know the game and he's learning from Ted how to deal with the players the way that Ted does very well. And so you can imagine Roy becoming, you know, uh, the coach because he understands the players thanks to what he learns from Ted and he knows the game from his experiences and his knowledge of, of playing it, you know, um, I feel like that would be the arc that, that I could see happening for Roy. I don't know how they're going to bring Nate back from the dark side. <laughs> it's they've, they've sent him in a pretty dark direction. Like honestly, the, the episode where he uh, again, goes back to the, uh, the episode with his parents and, and uh, Rebecca gives him the advice to, you know, make himself big and he goes into the bathroom and then he spits on the mirror. I'm like, Whoa, that's dark. Like, for me, that was a big turning point. Like, oh, this story is not going to have a gentle little curve back to Nate being a good guy. This is going to go, this is going to go dark, and it it definitely has. So it's going to be interesting to see if they bring him back, sort of to the light side. I don't know. That's going to be a hard journey, I think, to <laughs> wrap up in a season. But after this real dark turn, but um, that's I think going to be the contrast for me is between those two coaches and and how they develop their styles and how they deal with their situations. Yeah, I had a very similar reaction to when he spat in the mirror, and I was like, "Oh, Nate's going in a different path this season." <laughs> yeah, and also his interactions with uh, with Colin, right? The kit, the kit, the kit man. Yep. That was basically his job. The way he interacts with him is right from the get go, almost from as soon as Colin comes in to be the kit man, he's treating him the way he was treated, rather than treating him with respect and stuff, which Ted you know, treated him with respect from day one. He treats Colin in a, um, a very demeaning and, you know, whatever, especially the episode where they, um, they make the Jersey for him with uh, wonder kid on the, on the back of the Jersey. And then he goes in and basically tells him off to, uh, you know, if you ever embarrass me again, I'll bury you or, you know, something like that, like very deep and dark. Um, 
So interesting to see how he interacts with a person who was basically in his previous role. And rather than having learned from how Ted treated him, he goes the opposite direction and treats him the way that he had been treated by previous coaches and, and, and so on. So um, again, you kind of, you see all the foreshadowing right from the get go of where Nate's story potentially goes. And, and it's, yeah, it's going pretty dark, but spitting the mirror was a real. <laughs> um, I think you made a good point about how, uh, how Nate just turns around and does the same thing back to Colin uh, when compared to how you were talking about how, when he sees the success, it's his success. When he sees the fail- failure, he sees it as his failure. He gets really angry uh, at his players, angry at himself. And I, uh, maybe that is part of just something that is inherent to Nate as a character is when, mm. um, when he was being kind of like, quote unquote, like lifted up out of his former like role where he was being bullied and how he was being treated. Perhaps he was seeing himself being lifted up as, oh, I've done something to make myself get up to this point. It's not just like another coach treating me with basic human decency and respect. And this is how we should be treating everyone around me. It's like, I've done something special to get myself up out of my situation. And so he feels like it's okay to demean Colin because he's like, Oh, well, Colin's just the kid boy. And he doesn't, he doesn't recognize that kind of, he hasn't had that (laughs) self-awareness to, uh, to recognize like, Oh no, it's not about our individual behaviors. It's about how others are behaving with that. Do, do I've just realized how little respect uh, the kit man gets as I've just remembered his name isn't Colin. It's Will. Isn't it, <laughs> isn't it Will? I just had that realization. His name's not Colin. It's Will. He doesn't get mentioned very, very often. He's sort of always in the background or whatever, but I think it's anyway. Well, got me too. <laughs> <laughs> so there he does definitely doesn't get the respect he deserves because those are the people that make uh, clubs run. I speak from experience on, on uh, you know, my, my equipment man, I, I couldn't do what I do without, uh, without him or that, you know, that kind of support. So those are the people that really, which was what Ted realized from the get go, right. On day one, he realized this, this is an important guy in the organization. Uh, I need to get to know him and make sure, uh, you know, he's involved in things because he's important to how things run on a day-to-day basis. So kind of interesting that, uh, that, yeah, that, that just, arc kind of repeats back to the, the kit man, not sort of getting respect from them, but the rest of the players, um, you know, respect him and, and, and he's kind of one of the team. He's always in the scene. He's always kind of part of the group, you know, probably the way if we could do a, a prequel, we probably wouldn't see Nate in those same team situations. He was probably not allowed in the room or he was in the corner of the room or whatever um, in the previous, you know, when previous coaches were there and stuff, he probably wasn't brought in the way that now obviously that's accepted that that's what you do that, you, you know, you're part of the team. Um, which is sort of the atmosphere that Ted builds is that everybody's all in this together. Yeah. And that's just so, it's also so tough to um, escape that kind of site, like that cycle of abuse, right? Like it's, mm. it's, it's impossible. It's it's very hard to be the person yourself that stops it when you've been the one that ex- has been experiencing that. Yeah. Um, but I want to move on to the next, my next thought um, touching on, we've been talking a lot about relationships around the team and uh, how uh, trust and how, different dynamics affect what goes on in, in within the team and outside the team. Um, but one relationship dynamic that I want to talk about is uh, the team owner and uh, Sam, the player, and how um, it was a very adorable relationship to watch Bloom. And, and I get that the whole kind of point of that app that they were developing and, and working on and, and promoting was, um, you know, it's about what's inside a person that counts, not necessarily what's on the outside. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what healthy relationships in sports should be like and how um, appropriate dynamics in the, in the, really the workplace should be like. Barry, I know you had some thoughts on that one. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, like I thought it was interesting because you really got drawn in to uh, the storyline of, of kind of Sam and Rebecca and, you know, they're not knowing that they're connecting with each other. I loved how they showed like the guys on the team getting as excited when they saw kind of three dots as like Rebecca and Keely were getting excited when Rebecca saw three dots. Like, you know, I love that they showed like, you know, guys being interested in those kind of cute little things as opposed to just that kind of toxic masculinity that you normally see, like what does she look like kind of view. So I thought that that was really nice. And I thought it really led to, kind of a concept of this feels like a really good, really nice thing. And then at one point, you know, I think I was reading the news and, uh, you know, 
soccer right now nationally is in like a number of like different like abuse and sport kind of situations and abuse and power and sport kind of situations and and i was like whoa you know okay super cute yes but like as this comes out and as they realize then then they're gonna have to really get out of this storyline or they're gonna have you know hopefully they're gonna kind of have this piece of like look that was really nice but i'm an owner I literally have all the power over you. I sign your paycheck. I can't be in this situation. This isn't appropriate. Or somebody saying this isn't appropriate. But it kind of continues on. And then I thought like it became even more powerful when Sam gets the opportunity to go back to Africa and be part of like a leading African club and chooses not to. And it's it's never outright said really, you know, Rebecca is, is quote encouraging kind of. Uh, or supportive of this idea, but like, like you can see that, that he kind of stays, you know, in a way because of this, of this relationship or this, you know, potential relationship he has with the owner of his, of his club. And, uh, and I think that like, as that plays out over time, you know, we, we get ourselves into a situation where you're going to see more and more complexities to it, more and more difficulty. And it and it just become a bigger impact, ideally or like not ideally, but but likely in Sam's uh, own kind of mental health, his own ability to kind of make decisions and feel feel like his own person because he's now going to be just in a very difficult situation where the where he's in a relationship with the owner of his organization. If he wants to stop it, how does he stop it? If she's not willing to, if you know, like like what's going to happen with his ability to control his own kind of personal life or future uh in this situation so it, it really kind of creates an interesting dynamic and and i and i think one that we should be attuned to and one that should, we should recognize kind of in our sporting environments when we do see this we've got to kind of call it out we've got to kind of shut yeah. it down and and we've got to get away from it that's it's not good for the people involved no matter how cute or how sweet or how nice it looks on the surface which this you know in this case it certainly does yeah i mean I- I, I agree because, you know, as a TV show, it plays out in, in a nice way, but it, when put into reality, it's like, yeah, this should never be, this should never be the situation. I will say the one, one point that, that, uh, they did make, um, when Sam comes into the office to say that he's, he's going to stay at Richmond, he very explicitly does make it a point that he's saying he's not staying because he looks at Ted and says, I wish I could say I was staying because of my feelings for you or my feelings about you or something like that. Obviously not really meaning it to be Ted because he's actually talking to Rebecca, even though he's looking at Ted. And he follows that up by saying, I'm staying because this is where I need to be for my own personal growth and my own, uh, I can't remember how he phrases it, but basically, you know, this is where yeah. I need to be because this is where I think I need to be, not because of somebody else or what somebody's telling me or whatever else it's because I think, and, and, and you remember the kind of back back from that was when he's walking, and he's talking to his father on the phone, uh, talking about whether he's going to stay or not. And have you made a decision? And he's in the father says, you know, leave it to the universe to send you a message. And he sees the, there's a bunch of kids playing soccer and, and more than one of them, I think at least one of them, but I think a couple of them are wearing his Jersey, right. With his name on it. And he starts to clue in that, Oh, I have a bigger impact on this than just the people immediately around me um and and span mushroom that out to his his role in as an, an athlete activist and the the reason his dad uh, had called him i don't know if it was that episode earlier was to tell him that the oil company was no longer going to be operating uh in nigeria destroying the environment and stuff and like that was partly because he what does father call him the butterfly that that started the you know the beat his wings to start yeah. the mm-hmm. you know and so i think that they did try to make it, they, they gave the hint that it's basically, it's not, he's not staying for Rebecca. He's saying because he thinks it's the right place for him to be in a wider scope, rather than just on his personal relationship level, but also on, he feels like this is where he can have an impact on the community. When he sees the kids wearing his Jersey, the fact that in his role with that team as a spokesman, um, directly impacted on his, his, uh, his home country being, uh, you know, having this oil company stop work. So I think he's making the connection that he needs to be in Richmond, not just because, oh, I, I want to be involved with this person. And so I need to be here physically here with this person, but also more, it seems 
this is where I need to be because of all these greater things that I want to achieve, both as an athlete activist, um, as a community leader. And then, of course, he, he buys a building to, uh, to turn into a, a restaurant. So you can see him sort of wanting to build a little bit of his home community there and make that his home and, and have an impact from there because he realizes that's a place where he can have an impact on the greater world. So I, I do think they sort of leaned it toward that direction, maybe to give them an out to say, this is why he's here. He's not just here, um, you know, because, because he, uh, you know, has a relationship with this person. It's more like this, he's there for himself because he views this as the place he can, can have the impact on the world that he wants to have. Well, like that's my, you know, again, my interpretation of it, but I do think they kind of left that nugget there for us to kind of see that it's a bigger picture, not just, Oh, he's, he's, uh, he's doing this, you know, purely for a personal relationship reason. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I get that. And, and I, I thought that that was, uh, was, was definitely kind of a, a piece of, of what it showed, but it, it kind of, you know, you still kind of come back to, you gotta be, you, you gotta be kind of best practice on this stuff, right? Like, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe not, you know, I think that a lot of athletes in abusive situations say, I'm not here because of the coach. I'm here because this is the right place for me. Like you see that even now as excuses when you see athletes caught in these situations or reasons that come up all the time. You know, I didn't put myself in that abusive, in that abusive situation because I liked that coach or I liked that. I put it because that was the place I needed to be to get what I wanted from my career. Um, and, and they remain, and they remain in these, in these, kind of you know power dynamics that are that are unhealthy right so you know yeah they did a nice job of telling that but i don't think it changes kind of the ultimate the ultimate message with it you know and i think that even if we look at our real life examples people who find themselves in power dynamic situations you know oftentimes it's cute oftentimes it's it's fairy tale it's story like until it's not right until they realize there's no way out so you know, I think I think it all holds true across those those pieces, and it and it just becomes something we've got to be really sensitive to and really careful with. Well, one thing I did notice when they were, you know, they were doing this, the whole build up to it of like, who is she messaging with on the way? There was yeah. several, at least a couple of really clear instances where they tried to make us believe that it was going to be Ted, because there were cases where they would cut right. from one scene where she's on her phone, and they would cut to the next scene, and Ted's looking at his phone. And it was very obviously meant to sort of misdirect us a little bit as to, oh, maybe, maybe that's who's going to end up together. And uh, obviously that was just sort of a misdirection on their part to keep us guessing or whatever. Cause uh, yeah, but entirely right. Like when we take it out of the context of a TV show and put it in the real world, it's very uncomfortable that it's like, yeah, this is not what we would like to be portraying as, as a good thing. But in the show, it's like, oh, it's so sweet. Like you say, the characters are, two of the nicest characters, right. And which is, you know, an interesting story arc for Rebecca that she ends up being one of the nicest characters in the show. Cause she obviously starts out the whole show gets started because she's not being very nice. <laughs> <laughs> the whole reason she brings Ted there is not very nice. So it's interesting that her character has come around to being sort of one of the ones that you really root for and you, you love on the show when obviously she came from a very dark spot to begin with, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they play it. I, again, speculating, I would almost, guess that in the end she and sam will not end up together and they'll find a way to you know work that into the story to be like yeah this this wasn't the right thing maybe and whatever but uh, you know i almost feel like that's why they left a little bit of that that uh that message there that sam was staying for his own reasons kind of thing that maybe that gives them the the <laughs> they painted themselves into a corner a little bit with this relationship and like how do we get how do we get out of this neatly and not yeah. wreck the storyline? So I don't know. I don't know. You know, might be speculating too much on that, but maybe they realized they painted themselves into a corner a little bit on that one, which was a nice little story arc, but the realities of it are not so nice. So maybe they went, Oh, we got to have an out for this. Yeah. Either, either way. I know we're definitely going to be watching that relationship very closely in the third season. Yeah. See how yeah. it develops. Um, I recognize that we're getting a little bit long in, in time here. So I'll have just one more question then to wrap it up for you guys. Just overall impressions of this season. How do you think the show is going? Where do you think it's going to go? Just, just general thoughts. Yeah, I think, I think the season kind of hold a fairly strong kind of tie to, you know, concepts of transformational coaching. I think that you still see 
kind of good quality storylines continuing into the season on kind of powerful women and powerful female characters. I think we didn't talk about it today, but you know, Keely's development as her own kind of strong, powerful, independent woman was a really nice kind of piece. I think you saw Rebecca come into her own as an independent woman in the show uh, in this season. I think they continue to kind of try and tie in mental health within the sporting environment and how do we provide supports for that and how do we, you know, ensure that, that, that it were people first in our, in our view of sport versus sport first people second. I thought that continued to ring true. Um, you know, I thought there were places where it departed a little bit from some of the stuff I loved so much about season one, but I, I think, you know, what we'll get is we'll get a really interesting storyline heading into season three that, again, maybe a little bit more departed from the X's, not the X's and O's, but the transformational coaching side of things and really the best practices for people. But we'll continue to be entertaining. We'll continue to give us really good kind of coaching and sport examples to come back to and talk about. Um, I also love just how the show blew up over the last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I remember the Zoom call that we were, the coaches Zoom call that we were on where we kind of convinced you, Ashley, you needed to watch Ted Lasso uh, season one. Steve and I going, no, no, no. If you're not watching the show, you're missing out. And, uh, and you know, at the point now where kind of Ted Lasso is normal, it's across everything. It's, you know, it's, it's everywhere, right? Whether it be that little believe, whether it be references to Roy Kent, no matter what, you're seeing it all over the place. And I think it's, uh, I think it's outstanding. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I um I also really regret that we didn't talk today about Keely and and more mm-hmm. about Rebecca. Um I wanted to keep today's conversation a little bit more focused on uh the the coaching aspects and and some of the support yeah. staff around that. Um I'll just have to save the Keely and Rebecca story for my other secret Ted Lasso podcast that I have. So I can <laughs> just keep this one as the coaching episode. <laughs> uh nice. Steve, Steve hot takes for the season. Yeah, I mean I I agree like the the storylines took a little bit different turn because the the first season was really all about the the unstoppable positivity of of Ted Lasso. But I think by necessity this season they had to dig in a little bit of like why is Ted the way he is because there's only so long you can kind of just have this g golly sort of positivity and 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 it makes the character very you know, one dimensional sort of thing. So I think they really kind of fleshed out his situation a little bit more and, and really the other characters, the, the interactions, um, you know, like I, I think one of my favorite moments of the whole season was the uh, uh, she's a rainbow, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, with Higgins uh, relationship with, with his wife and his family and how, you know, how, uh, how important that is to him. Just loved it. Like, I think that was, that was one of my feel good moments for the season. Well, you know, there was a lot of things that were dark with Nate and and other things like that. You know, that episode in particular for me was like, it got back to that good feeling that you get from watching Ted Lasso beyond just as a, an example of coaching, but just as a, as a show that we really need right now, as a lot of people have pointed out, it's the kind of show that we, that we need right now. It's this feel good show because there's so much dark stuff going on and so much, um, you know, negative and dark things, both, uh, both reality, but also just in our, you know, the gritty crime shows and things like that. It's nice to have a show that you, you kind of get to the end of it and kind of feel like, well, that was fun and enjoyable. And I, I feel good about uh, the time I spent with it. And so I think they're going to continue forward with that. Um, I, and I think hopefully we'll start to see other shows like this the fact that they won a lot of Emmys and it's got so much positive uh, media. I'd like to feel it's going to promote other people who are producing shows to go. We want to make a show like Ted Lasso and, and my, you know, my biggest hope is that the next one will be like um, Ted Lasso becomes a track coach. And, you know, I can, I can maybe get cast as like the coach beard. That would be, (laughs) I'll even grow my beard back for that. (laughs) Um, But I do. Yeah. I was going to say, Steve, I feel like a lot of, a lot of production companies right now are probably trying to figure out how do we make a show like Ted Lasso. Really? Like, and oh, yeah. what a great thing. Like if that ends up in us getting more good quality programming, that's not just the easy, dark, cheap humor that, that kind of has a deeper message and bigger story arcs and kind of makes you feel good. Like, God, how, how great would that be? <laughs> yeah. I totally like, agree. Steve, I think the thing I appreciate most about Coach Beard is like, his reading list you know if, if you just look at the books he's reading as he goes through yeah like you know 
he's got a well curated reading list. And then I look at the books behind you and I've got no doubt you can pull <laughs> off an incredibly well curated reading list to play that role on the show. I would be looking for what book you were reading and picking it up every single time. So you've got my vote for the next, uh, for the next version of coach beard. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Appreciate that. Yeah. I was going to say we, uh, last year, our campaign was to try and get Jason Stakis on the next episode of the podcast. Obviously we didn't succeed in that, but maybe then our next campaign will be getting Steve on in season, whatever Steve's season four iteration of, of Ted there is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a cameo yeah. spot just, in there. Maybe just pictures of him reading a book every once in a while. We can yeah. pick up what book is Steve reading? How do I read that? You yeah. Know? yeah. Well, uh, a big thank you from the Coach's Plan podcast to the three of us here today to specifically Jason Sudeikis for, for being a producer on this and for being a shining example of coaching in the media. A uh, big thank you to everyone who produces Ted Lasso. It has definitely been a bright spot in an otherwise uh, somewhat dreary fall. So I, I certainly appreciate that. And, yeah. and thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. Um, I'm sorry about the amount of times I said hot takes, uh, <laughs> but if you have any hot takes to, uh, to share with us about this show, please uh, add us on Twitter, nb underscore coach underscore nb, um, or you can contact us on Facebook or we're on Instagram. Heck, we're even on LinkedIn if you really want to, if you really want to <laughs> connect with us there. But um, I'd love to hear what you guys thought about this season. Um, obviously we're big fans of it here, uh, partly because it's a great show, but also partly because of the, the coaching themes they touch on. Um, so, so thank you for listening to us talk about and gab about and, uh, and absolutely, uh, fan over the show um and uh we'll see you back uh next year for season three for our our ted talk 3.0 right on <laughs> yes cool. absolutely and see and steven barry thank you very much for uh for being my co-host on today's show and for for all your insight into this um and for being just as obsessed with it as i am <laughs> my pleasure hard not to be well, this has been another episode of the Coach's Plan podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach New Brunswick. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen and leave whatever kind of best review you have. This is our best way of bringing these kinds of conversations to other coaches, and we need your help to do it. We'll see you in another two weeks' time. And until then, stay safe and enjoy your practices.